Apartments.com believes a dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. And listen, we all have our non-negotiables in terms of what we really want when looking for an apartment. I know for me, natural light has always been really important. I just know myself and I am a happier person when I have that natural light throughout the day. And I also told myself that in my next place, I will definitely have a washer and dryer because you just can't beat that convenience. And I know it can be hard to find, but when you find it, I think it is so worth it. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit apartments.com, the place to find a place. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Isabel. And welcome back to another episode of Comments by Bravo. Hey, Is. Hi, Em. What a week we got ourselves. I mean, between the news and just everything going on, but then also these episodes, I mean... It was banger after banger. Also, I know this is a Bravo podcast, but I just have to share something with you guys because I know that if you are listening to this, you are going to care in the way that we did, which is by now, I'm sure you have all seen the paparazzi photos of Taylor Swift and Sophie Turner leaving Via Corotta restaurant in the West Village last night. I am here to tell you that me, Julie, and Isabel saw them in the flesh Not when all the paparazzi got there way before we are walking down, we turn to our right and who is sitting in the first seat of the restaurant facing out, like literally the most visible seat in the entire restaurant, Sophie Turner and Taylor Swift. And we watched the whole thing go down with our own eyes and it was nuts. I just need to break down the layers of this because I was walking around like repeating this like I was a pull doll and just being like, do you guys understand? Do you guys understand? Because it was so layered. Okay. We're three of us all together walking, check. Walking past one of my favorite restaurants, but also what happens to be famously and on the record, Joe Jonas's favorite restaurant that Julie and I have seen him sitting outside a time or two or 10. And seeing Taylor Swift is like crazy. Like that is just not someone, you know, it's not like we see Emrata every single day of the week. Like nothing against Emrata, but it's not seeing a unicorn like Taylor Swift. And to see Sophie, like I saw her a month or two ago at the Jonas Brothers concert, but of course, like, <laughs> you know, like the Dumas post, Biden spotted in DC, likely place for him to be. <laughs> That's like Sophie Turner at the Jonas Brothers concert. Their first concert of the tour, they're married. For all we know that they're in an amazing place. She posted a whole Instagram roundup from the show, likely place for her to be. So yeah, it was cool to see her at the show, but like I wasn't freaking out. So to see Sophie for the first time publicly post all of the drama that went down, not only out in public in New York, but sitting at a table with Taylor Swift, who there's always talk about her being one of Joe's exes and their breakup and Mr. Perfectly Fine. Like I am not a diehard Swifty, so obviously I don't know all the nuances, but I just know all that stuff. And I just remember something flashed in me when I remembered during COVID, Joe and Sophie doing a live and like people saying, what's your favorite Taylor Swift song? And a clip of her saying her favorite Taylor Swift song went so viral because everyone loved that crossover or buying the baby gifts. So, I mean, 
This was as intentional as it gets. And they were ready for the photo op. They said, okay, Joe, we see your PR. We're going to raise you a corner table in Via Corota. And they fucking did it. And we saw it with our own two eyes. Twice, actually four times and walked back, forth, back, forth. It was because you have to understand that when we were walking by, this was pre-paparazzi, pre-crowds. And it was only, it was kind of like on the regular episode when Julie and I were talking about walking down the street and Hugh Jackman is walking in front of us and we saw everyone walk past and then turn to each other being like, wait, was that, was that, that's what was happening. It's like, we would slowly see groups of people being like, wait, is, is this what's happening? And we're like, yes, this is what's happening. It was just, I, I'm not, also I feel like honestly, even though of course we fucking love pop culture and celebrities, like we're not the starstruck type in that way typically, but there was something different about this. It felt, for lack of a better word, it felt historic. And also we live in New York. Like I, we see people all the time, but you don't just see Taylor Swift sitting in the corner while she's like in the middle of her humongous world tour. And everyone's like writing on Twitter about solving her puzzles. And here I am like staring at her in her red sweater, eating pasta with Sophie Turner, who's also in the headlines right now. It just felt like uh, we looked at each other and we said, I can't believe we're getting a sneak peek about what is about to go viral for everybody else. Like it felt like we got a screener episode of the paparazzi in the headlines. Yes. And also keep in mind that when we were walking from like the, the restaurant that we were eating at to Julie's apartment, we passed that recording studio that Taylor's always at. And there was lines and lines of black escalates. And so we said to each other, oh, she's probably in there right now. Like that was just our expectation because that's what it looked like. So then imagine our surprise when five minutes later we turned. <laughs> no, she's not in the studio. She's, I don't know how to put words to it, but it was really nuts. And then as, as you said, to watch it unfold online was really something. And I just needed to tell you guys because I just know you're going to care. Like I just, I just know it. Also, my last thing was seeing in real time how the seven minutes between when we spotted them and then we were off and then the pictures of them leaving, the amount of people and photos and just chaos that was ensuing around the restaurant, it was like, I mean, word travels fast. Word travels fast. And you know something? It's There are only certain celebrities that can elicit that type of reaction. Yeah. Anyway, just had to mention that. I know you guys would get it, but moving on. Obviously, the star of the show here, which we will get into, is Salt Lake City because one hell of a ride that was. But first things first, we of course need to discuss Shannon Bedore in this DUI and everything that has transpired since because it's just been a lot going on in, in the media. It's really messy and really sad and really disappointing. And when that headline showed up on my feed, my heart just sank so deep. Yeah. So the way that we kind of organized this was basically putting all the headlines in chronological order of when they came out. It's going to be a couple of minutes of reading, but we just figured it was necessary to get us all on the same page in terms of making sure we're operating with the same set of facts because watching this initially break and then kind of what trickled in after was interesting and saddening, but it starts out on Monday. TMZ headline, OC star Shannon Medore arrested for DUI hit and run, struck house in Newport Beach. And it said, Shannon Medore's tough year just got a lot rougher. The reality TV star got busted for driving drunk this weekend in SoCal. Law enforcement sources tell TMZ, quote, the Real Houses of Orange County star drove her car into a residential property in Newport Beach Saturday night and actually clipped the house. We're told Bedore then turned back onto the road and kept going before parking her vehicle in the middle of the street and getting out with her dog. Our sources say she tried to act like she was taking a walk when police arrived after receiving a 911 call. We're told she wasn't fooling anyone as she appeared wasted and was taken into custody. 
Cops also seized Bedore's car as part of their investigation into the damage to the home. A ref for Newport Beach PD says Bedore was booked for two misdemeanors, hit and run, and DUI alcohol. She was cited and released without bond. Sources with direct knowledge tell us she was not filming with Bravo before the arrest, as the show's not currently in production. Shannon's lawyer, Michael Fell, tells TMZ, quote, I spent quite a bit of time with Shannon yesterday. She's extremely apologetic and remorseful. We will be awaiting the official information on this case as soon as it becomes available, and Shannon is prepared to accept full responsibility for her actions. So there were then the videos obtained by TMZ. One was showing her car swerving and clipping the house. And the second was her car stopped with Shannon inside waiting. So of course, me just knowing the whole situation, I am eagerly awaiting Jeff Lewis to go live on his radio show because it was a couple hours after this broke. He and Shannon are really good friends and they'd been posting pictures out on Friday night together with Shannon and John Taylor and her husband and Jeff and his boyfriend. So of course I knew he would have like a little bit of insight of what was going on. And she was slated to co-host his show this Friday. It was on the calendar and it was being advertised. So like I knew he'd have to address it. And also it's Jeff. So there's nothing he's not going to address. And he basically said that they had been together, like I said, and he said, I am happy to say that she's going to be entering counseling this week. So I'm happy about that. She's accepting full accountability and is ashamed and embarrassed. He said, I don't think Shannon is an alcoholic. I think as her close friend, I think she's been going through a lot of personal struggles right now. And I think she probably has been leaning on alcohol, but I don't believe she's an alcoholic. He also confirmed that she was in a car accident that night and got injured, but that nobody else was hurt. And again, this is like so fresh after we read this initial article. So even hearing the confirmation that it really was her, this really did go down and that things are happening from him was like, you know, big news in the moment. And then, okay, this is like a conversation of its own, but just like logistically, Tamara and Teddy and Cynthia Bailey release an episode of Two Teas in a Pod. And it is literally Tamara's like live reaction, maybe I'm guessing 15, 20, 30 minutes after this headline breaks. Like they must have jumped on and said, we have to record and put out a 30 minute episode. So this is Tamara, who is so close to the situation, so close to Shannon works closely with her on this Trace Amigas tour. This is Tamara literally hearing it for the first time and talking about it without ever talking to Shannon. And she's just like shaking, crying, saying everyone's texting her. And she said, I spoke to Shannon yesterday. She didn't say a word to me. So that would have been the day or the day after that this all happened. She had spoken to Shannon. Nothing. We were on a conference call for Trace Amigas. She was extremely quiet. I talked to her after and there was no word of it at all. All I'm seeing is what's in the press. I'm shook. I feel like I'm going to throw up. At first, I didn't think it was even true. That was nuts, by the way. The fact that it really did feel like kind of her live reaction. Like, yes. But then again, I don't know. Maybe I just like have a little bit of a sour taste, but like, it's not right. You know, like you're someone's best friend. I feel like, do you need to put out a reaction like that? It just felt a little bit just slimy, but like, obviously as a consumer, I am so intrigued and it felt like very authentic and real to hear that she was as shaken up as everybody else and that it wasn't like, I don't know, maybe something known or that something people knew was going on. It was really like a bombshell. 
I guess the thing with me always, but especially right now, there's just nothing that Tamara is going to do like this that is going to surprise me. It is so par for the course. This this whole way of, I don't want to say monetizing it because it, she she does. She has a podcast where she talks about this kind of stuff and it's understandable that she would do a reaction, but it, it's just very much on brand. Oh, it is like the most on brand thing ever. And it goes, aligns perfectly with everything we've said about Tamara this season and just solidifying her character. And also I think having a podcast where she talks about it and with someone like Teddy has even advanced it further of, you know, capitalizing and making everything sort of about her and as dramatic as possible and the lengths that she will go. I think she definitely views this as an outlet and also like the people want to hear from her, but you know, in the grand scheme of things, like, is it the best thing as a friend to do is a distasteful totally but it also is very Tamara and I wouldn't actually expect anything different so then on Tuesday there's a TMZ headline OC star Shannon Medora allegedly tipsy at bar before DUI arrest heard quote bitching about Alexis Bellino you guys ready for this Shannon Medora was allegedly pretty boozed up ahead of her car crash and DUI arrest we're told she was at a nearby bar complaining about a certain former OC star A witness tells TMZ, Shannon was with her pal and business partner, Steve Muller, at, quote, a restaurant, that's the real name, in Newport Beach, California on Saturday night. FYI, the spot is about half a mile from where she crashed her car later in the night. We're told Shannon appeared tipsy while hanging at the bar the entire time, but it's unclear exactly what she was sipping on. As one witness put it, she was loud and boisterous throughout the night with her arms flailing in the air. We're told Shannon was overheard at one point complaining about former Housewife star Alexis Bellino, who was also in the restaurant, although that allegedly didn't stop Shannon from bitching about her to other people nearby with real animosity in the air. When reached for comment, Alexis told TMZ, quote, when my girlfriends and I arrived for a fun night out together, it was soon brought to my attention that Shannon was also at the same restaurant. Shannon and I did not interact that night, but it greatly saddens me to learn that she may harbor negative feelings or resentment towards me, as I was not involved in Jim Bellino's lawsuit against Shannon. From one single mother to another, I wish Shannon nothing but the best as I know she's facing trying times ahead. In case you didn't know, Alexis is referring to her ex-husband, Jim, who filed a million-dollar defamation lawsuit against Shannon and Tamara in 2018, claiming they talk smack about his business on a podcast. I know this is your line, but I did not have Alexis and Jim Bellino on my bingo card being looped into Shannon's DUI story. I mean, not even in the same fucking stratosphere. Alexis giving a comment, I actually think her comment was very gracious, but God, this is just, this whole thing is... It's really sad. It's really sad. Yeah. It's like, honestly, it's really, really upsetting. Like I, listen, obviously I'm seeing all the clips that everyone is posting, you know, specifically Shannon sitting down with Kelly Dodd right after Gina had her DUI. And of course, everyone is bringing up the clips, even most recently, what last week's episode where Shannon is talking and almost bragging about how it was only because of her lawyers that Gina got out of the DUI and her children weren't taken away by CPS. Like, Yes, obviously there's the whole piece of it where she just looks like such a jackass right now, but it's all like that aside, the show aside, it's deeply upsetting and it's deeply disappointing. And while yes, she very much has a problem and needs to get help for it. I just have no patience for drunk driving. It's, it's just something you simply do not do. And thank God no one was hurt. Thank God in the scheme of things, it was a clipped house and there was a couple flower pots down, but it, it you know, that, that's that's the good news. It's just it's it's just unacceptable. Yeah, and I'm glad her and Archie were okay. There were some photos that came out today where I think she was a little bruised, maybe had a sling on, 
So obviously people are speculating about did the airbags go off and what happened, but I mean, the internet also works quick. Like whoever lives in the house or the neighbors had those pictures on TikTok within the night. And then the ring camera videos were on TMZ. I mean, the whole thing is just, it's inexcusable and it's really disappointing. And I'm glad to hear she's seeking the help she needed. And this is like the rock bottom that maybe she needed to hit because clearly it's been like sort of a a slow and steady downward role for Shannon for a while. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. So the weather is finally getting a little warmer. And one of the most fun parts about the seasons changing is kind of the wardrobe revamp that comes along with that. And if you're looking to update your wardrobe without spending a fortune, I want to introduce you to Quince because I really think that they do quality essentials kind of better than anyone I found. And I've told you guys about them before, but specifically as the weather is getting warmer, their linen dresses, like such an easy throw on, so comfortable, such good quality. To me, if you put on a linen dress with a pair of white sneakers, a little cardigan over your shoulders, to me, that is such a chic look. Also, their washable silk blouses. They are so comfortable, but you look so put together. They have great like scoop neck t-shirts, just comfortable, easy staples. Like that is what I like about them. I think that you can really build just a quality wardrobe collection with their essentials. And the best part is that all Quinn's items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. So by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and then passes those savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm rather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash CBC for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash CBC to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash CBC. I genuinely believe that Meredith Marks could win outstanding performance by an actress in a leading role for this performance in this week's episode of Salt Lake City. I mean, first of all, the women of Salt Lake City showed up for work this week in a big way. This episode was a definition of a roller coaster ride. Okay. So many things. Someone DM'd us and they were like, you know, I was listening to your guys' episode last week where you were saying how Salt Lake City is kind of a parody of Housewives. And they were like, I was watching this week's episode through that lens and wow, it really hits. And it's like so funny that that was a conversation we were just having because when you watch it this week, that was never more on display. I mean, the entire thing felt like a fever dream. I guess also having the background of the Trixie Motel, which literally looks like the set of Greta Gerwig's Barbie really adds to that. And then them being at this dinner and being literally in full costume. Like it was, it's like, is this an SNL skit? First of all, they're shit-faced. They're in costume picked out by people who hate each other. So AKA why Lisa is showing up in, in that getup. And then on top of it, all of a sudden at the drop of a hat, Meredith turns British. <laughs> she said this on Dylan Hafer's podcast. It's like, after the drinks start flowing, the, I guess, accent just starts kind of weaving in and out and she gets a little Madonna. But as if everything she's saying already isn't so over the top and dramatic and such a caricature of herself, the accent and like this specific way in which she slurs her words, I kind of want Meredith and Dorinda to just like 
keep the martinis flowing and we could just like see what happens with the two of them, you know? Yeah, a little slur off. Right. Well, <laughs> I said to Isabel before we started recording because we were just like, holy fuck, this is an amazing episode. We cannot wait to talk about it because as always, we try our hardest to like really not speak about it until we come on here. But I said to her like literally a second before we pressed record, I was like, wait, at the risk of sounding really stupid right now, am I missing something in the Angie Meredith fight? Meaning like, what is the thing that they're talking about? Like, I, I understand they're not on the best terms, but did something major happen that I'm forgetting or missing? And she was like, no. And we reached out to some of our Bravo colleagues and everyone kind of has the same conclusion of like, yeah, there was residual stuff from the reunion. Obviously they're not on the best terms, but it's not as though what we're seeing on screen matches anything else we tangibly have witnessed. I just like was going with it because the fight and the, like the anger and the and the content was so good, but I wasn't really like feeling the roots of the issue. And I feel like we're almost working backwards where like the big explosion happens and now we're going to uncover the tension. And obviously there's shit from last season with Jen and Lisa and, you know, who took whose sides and Angie really taking Lisa's side and Meredith being with Jen and just like the mean, you know, sort of comments that each other made. But I didn't think it was enough to this point for her to show up on the trip and have this explosive dinner. Like, yeah, Meredith being annoyed at first at the hotel when Angie was there and not including her in the activity, obviously, because she didn't know she was going to be there. That felt like part, that felt like the punishment fit the crime. But this dinner, this was like, oh my, I don't even know. This was like a when Bethany exploded on Luann, but that was years, decades of built up frustration and really intense situations. And I'm like, what is going on? Honestly, it was almost like, I mean, listen, obviously, you know, I'm team Meredith, duh. But it, it was almost like I was impressed on Angie's behalf that she was even able to bring this reaction out of Meredith. Like, I guess the way yeah. that I view Angie is just in the scheme of things, relatively inconsequential, at least at the moment. And so I was I was almost like, to Meredith, don't flatter her. Like, she doesn't deserve the debut of your British accent. Right, like she was giving Angie so much power while simultaneously saying she didn't care about her and didn't want to be friends with her and wanted her to leave. But she was allowing her to get to this place where we haven't seen her go that much. You know, even in her biggest fights with Lisa or with Jen and, and Heather, it, this was like probably one of the biggest. And again, we still are not clear on the roots of the of the issues. By the way, it's kind of par for the course with Salt Lake City in that I never fully understand the root of any argument. The difference between this episode and some of the other times I've been confused is that this just so happened to be excellent television that I was fully leaning into the confusion because it contributed to the almost camp nature of the entire episode. But Something that I, I wanted to mention because it really hit for me. I don't know if you felt this way or how you guys feel about this. When Meredith gets super pissed, she gets up from the table and Lisa goes over to kind of comfort her. And it's not like they're having this intimate moment together, but Meredith is venting and Lisa is just the person there for her in that second trying to defuse the situation. And I had this moment where I said, you know what? I know we've gotten some excellent TV from the Lisa Meredith feud in the past because they were objectively the closest. And so watching everything went down made you feel like it was the realist. But I'm telling you right now, if you're asking me, I prefer them together so much more than I prefer them apart. Because if you were watching the scene with a completely fresh set of eyes, you didn't really understand what was going on. You would assume that Lisa's one of Meredith's best friends and she's kind of the one that Meredith is going to in this moment, right? And like, 
that wasn't necessarily what happened. Lisa just was the one that got up. But I am like, oh my God, I'm seeing a future where you guys are back to your old selves. And there's a part of me that wants that. Okay. Number one, if I had to sum up my Salt Lake City experience, literally from season one, episode one, it would be like, I don't know what the fuck is going on, but I'm just happy to be on the ride. So if you're feeling confused while you watch these episodes, you're not alone. Same. And and second, I think it was a very, very smart move of Lisa to get up and follow Meredith. Because in those moments when you're upset and heated and you're walking away from the table, the first thing you're clocking is who got up and followed you. And that is your moment of like, who cares about me, who's chasing after me. And especially it's almost like a friendship test at that point. So Lisa getting up and being able to just be a shoulder to cry on and be physically standing there, although she doesn't fully agree with Meredith's point, was a very important and really smart move on her behalf that I don't even think she realized in that quick moment was so smart because she didn't say anything that was deprecating against Angie or anyone that she would get in trouble for or not believe, but she was physically there for Meredith. So she was almost able to like play both sides of the fence. Well, Meredith was also seeing red. And so it it didn't matter too much what Lisa was or wasn't saying. It was just her sheer presence. But the other thing with that is like, there's a certain intimacy with anger. You, You know, like when you are that mad and you are really getting in touch with how mad you are, it is while being the aggressor, a vulnerable spot. Because like you are allowing people to see that this thing is upsetting you so much. And so I I do, I mean, maybe this is just like the optimist in me that really does want a future with them. I I thought, okay, maybe in some very strange, very twisted way, like this could be actually kind of bonding for them, you know? Yes, for sure. Because it wasn't even Meredith being angry. It evolved into her just being so hysterically upset and crying. And like, that's even more vulnerable than just the pure rage and anger. It like got to an even further point again, which I don't understand yet. And I actually think it maybe didn't have to do with Angie. This just sort of sent her over the edge, but this was, it was the right thing for Lisa to do. And I think she's very aware of where she sits in the group and also with Meredith, that that was something that needed to be done. Also POV, you're the waiter. (laughs) Chad, Chad's just like, this is my summer job. Like I can't kick her out. She's like, she is being very disrespectful and I am the hostess. Like, I I don't know how to tell you this, Mara, but just because you make the resi doesn't mean (laughs) you are the manager of the restaurant now. No, I was just imagining like, Chad really doing it, saying, you know what, fuck it. Let me let me play the role of security and going over to Angie. Like what how what the, what does that look like? Right. What does that look like? I don't know. The other thing I will say, and we said it last week and I stand by this, Monica coming out of the gate pretty strong. I felt like the, her whatever whatever they called it, fuzzy and prickly. I mean, just say peak and pit and call it a day, was a good one. I thought that that was a really honest way to share something. And actually to Lisa's credit, while getting a little bit defensive, she didn't have such an inflamed reaction as I would have anticipated her to. Yes. Because I think she realized it was more about sharing something about herself than like nagging on Lisa. Like it was almost just an entry point to kind of get that off her chest on that's how she feels in this group. And you know, I think rooting back to like the way she felt like she needed to buy a Louis Vuitton bag for the trip just in order to fit in. She wasn't making it Lisa's fault for having 
nice things, but was just making everybody sort of aware of her position. And I think that will only make her closer to everybody because that's like a vulnerable thing to share. And it's also really real and honest. And I think, I, I don't know about them, but if if it's me, I prefer that 10 out of 10 times over somebody trying to be something they're not just to like and be impressive. Well, but the other thing is that you you really take everyone else's power away when you're the first one to reveal the quote skeletons in your closet. Like it's it's yeah, it's kind of a power move. I actually think totally, and like a showing of your self awareness. Yeah. Wait, you know what was an amazing line? Like I, I went back and rewatched it because to confirm that this is actually what happened, and it did on the way back when Mary and Whitney get into it and. Mary keeps saying pornography and Winnie's confused as to what she's talking about. Heather is, I mean, drunk as a skunk, right? Like she can't even look up. And in that one moment, she just looks up and clarifies it was Predator and puts her head right back down. <laughs> like it, you have to go back and watch that scene. She's out for the count, right? Like she's, she's, she's done. But somehow she just knows. That, cause, and you know something? You know when you're listening or watching a conversation go down and the, the two people are missing one another and you have yes. the, the key. It's honestly, it's honestly how I sometimes feel if, when people are listening to our podcast and we're trying to remember something or we can't come up with a word. Like I, I can imagine people in their car just screaming and being like, no, guys, it's this. Like that was Heather. And I could, I know she was sitting there so drunk in her head saying predator, predator. And finally she gathered the stamina. She looked up, she said predator and went right back down. And I can respect that. There are just some miscommunications that are frustrating enough to fucking wake you from the dead. Yes. And that but is you know exactly what I, I wish I, I need to literally DM this to Heather guys. She needs to make the TikTok, like, you know, it's like girls laying like their hands crossed and they do the reverse. So they like literally lift up from the dead. And it's like when someone says, can I talk shit for a minute? And you know, it's like that like dinging music. Heather needs to do that. Like when Mary thinks that it's pornography and you know that it's really predator and you <laughs> and you wake up from your tequila coma. No, we need to DM that. I'm not kidding. We need to voice on her that immediately. Yeah, after. I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to give her creative direction. <laughs> Anyway, it was just like an amazing episode. I'm so happy it happened. I'm so glad we got to watch it. And what a time in Salt Lake City. Thank you. Thank you to uh, Meredith Marks. And Mary Cosby, as a friend of, is so perfect when she says, who's Angie? (laughs) So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like, Generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract, and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life, so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like You shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. I got news for you. As far as I'm concerned, 
Austin and Taylor did not just sleep together. Austin and Taylor made love. I hate to tell you, Chef Rose, but Austin and Taylor are making love. Right. Not just made, singular, making. And they will continue to make it down the aisle and make beautiful children and live happily ever after. Like, are they endgame? I don't know. It's it's not, not, not. This is where I get so conflicted internally. Like in these kind of situations where it's like, what if they are the loves of each other's lives? You know, like, do you throw that away because of bro code of a relationship that never really, you know, was going to make it to that point? Are you going to put Shep in front of you just because like, you don't want to look like the bad guy, like just to throw away the love of your life? I don't, I don't know the right answer here. I don't know if that's the truth, but my mind instantly jumps there because we've seen it from the get. Like we knew we saw this coming from a mile away. I don't know. I have so many thoughts on this, but I'm still kind of processing it. So I don't even know if I'm agreeing with what I'm thinking or what I'm saying, but just, just talking out loud in response to what you said, of course you can't ignore the quote bro code element to this whole thing. And I don't even like using the term bro code because it's more so friendship code. If we were talking, you know, Taylor to Olivia, it it would be the same thing. It's not just this, this bro code, which I think oftentimes has this strange connotation, but Here's my thing. Like, not to say if I'm Shep, I'm not very displeased by this whole situation and not to say he doesn't have a right to be. Like, he, of course he does. But also, I think that you lose some of that when you are such a shitty partner to the person. It's not like here he was doing every single thing in his power to keep her and it's all he wanted and and they broke up and he was so heartbroken because he he changed his entire life in order to be the partner that she always dreamed of. Like, no. You were really, really shitty to her and you were deeply disrespectful to her. And I'm not saying she found it with Austin, but like, let's just say hypothetically, this was the case. Like if another guy is going to treat her incredibly and they are meant to be like him being your friend, I it, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't think it carries the same weight as if that's not how their relationship ended. Is that totally wrong? No, it's, I totally get it. The dynamic for me that I could probably do this whole episode or literally a whole podcast just analyzing is obviously between Shep, Austin, and Craig, but specifically when it came to the dynamic of this situation, because Craig really came in guns blazing, pushing the how weird is it of Austin and how does this not make you uncomfortable? And, you know, Shep is very much in his own world and I think sort of thinks of things in a certain way. He almost has blinders on a lot of the time. So for him, it was like, great. I love having this lifeline to Taylor. I love being able to say to Austin, oh, where was she this week? Or like, how is she doing? Where is she living? What's going on with her? How has she been? Is she dating? Did she hook up with this guy? You know, like, by the way, relatable. We've all been there. Like you're you're okay with people being friends with the ex because it gives you the in on the information and a way to be updated without talking to them directly. But I don't think it really hit him or that he understood or was made aware at the depth of their relationship because they were all so close while they were dating. So then to see not only has it stayed the same and they're just buddies, but like it's almost progressed to a point that they're like really close friends now because JT comes in this group and like, yeah, he's new here. He has to stir the pot. And I I don't feel that like brotherly 
bond and connection that the three of the other guys have. So for him to spill like, oh, she slept over knowing that it was probably going to be somewhat of a bomb, but could play innocent, fine. But for Craig to push it as hard as he did, I, I honestly was like, is there some feud with Austin and Craig or are they just like ruthless friends? I think they're just ruthless. Like that's always how it's been. But it's just, you know, if I'm Austin, I'm like, what the fuck? But that's the thing. They are ruthless friends in that like, Craig really calls it like he sees it, I feel. Even, you know, even going back to last week for a second when Taylor made that comment about Paige cheating and that's how we start off this week's episode. Craig says like, listen, was it fucked up? Absolutely, but I get it. Like she was being reactive. He knows what that's like. Look at the way that he was with the whole Naomi situation last season. Like he's, he can, I think the thing about Craig, even though, you know, he has certainly had his lows, he has this ability in the moment to like put himself in the mind of what, how he would want someone to play it in the reverse. And I think in that moment, it was like almost a lawyer coming out of him of like, no, I'm sorry, something is fishy here. And a potential loyalty that I have towards you is not going to overshadow the fact that I, I can't watch or recap this situation as though it's totally normal because it's it's not. It's totally not. And this brought me back to like, that baseline that we're not operating with a normal quote, quote friend group and the same expectations and sort of ways that you deal with things. Like they really have zero boundaries. There's no limits. They go below the belt and they just bounce back from it eventually. <laughs> like it's literally just whatever you're thinking or feeling in that moment. You don't really care about the repercussions of your actions or what you're about to say. So I mean, by the way, look what happened. They're going back and forth and then they cheers, they have a drink and like they probably went to play more golf the next day. Well, I, the, the thing is, you know, especially when you're watching Shep and, and Craig walk down the street, it was almost like Shep had kind of been thinking this, but he wasn't really going to say it out loud, partially because he likes, as he said, having this life raft to Taylor. You know, he liked that Austin was was almost like playing the communicator role. But also it's the kind of thing you don't even want to really say it out loud to, to put it into the universe. And then all of a sudden it is thrown in your face. Like not only is this a potential, she slept at his house. And then the, wait, th this was so nuts when Austin says no, and they ask if they slept together and Austin says no. And Craig turns to Shep as he's getting up and says, he looked down to the left, like called his bluff in the moment. That was, <laughs> and that's what I'm saying. He wasn't just like pushing it or revealing things. He was like really going for it. But he, to me, that was not Craig having a, like a one sense of loyalty one way or another. To me, that was Craig being on the side of the truth. Like it, it, to me, he just felt like a truth seeker in that regard. It, it wasn't <laughs> that he was trying to shade Austin. Honestly, I really felt like he was like, wait a second. We're not going to just pretend here like nothing's going on. He's like, I've seen that in a true crime documentary. Because again, I think he knows about Shep what I just said, probably in a obviously way more detailed understanding of Shep has blinders on and doesn't pick up on things. And I think sometimes like it's a good quality, but also not that he just believes people like you say you didn't sleep with her. All right. Well, it's because I don't think, listen, here, what a thing about Shep, as we have seen repeatedly, he is not somebody that is going to be the one to make his life harder. Meaning 
in every capacity, even when it comes at the expense of other people, he wants to go through life as seamless as physically possible. And so it makes his life a lot easier to not be thinking that Austin is actively sleeping with his ex-girlfriend. Like he's, he wants to enjoy his golf on a Saturday. It makes it a lot harder to enjoy golf on a Saturday when you're having the realization that the guy you're playing golf with is sleeping with your ex-girlfriend. Like I, I, it's not even, I'm not saying to me, it's not like he's putting blinders on or it's like a stupidity thing. I actually think Shep with all of his downfalls is very smart and can be very observant. I actually think he's not trying to make his life any less enjoyable. That's really where I think it comes from. Yeah. I think for Shep though, the sleeping together is one thing and obviously was striking him as inappropriate and a red flag immediately. Like she slept at your house. No one told me that that feels weird. I'm not aware that that's going on, but even scarier than maybe sleeping together or kissing or whatever is them having like a strong emotional connection. Well, that's the thing because that's the thing in this group. That the reason they're able to get over things so easily is because everyone slept with everyone. At that point, it almost removes the intimacy of sex. Like when when they're discussing it, you know that that's something that could get worked over. It's like, wait, you guys sat and talked for hours. Like that's the part. Right. But I, I, I'm not saying this is right. Okay, I'm just talking out loud because here. Sorry, so you know, like your thoughts are getting ahead of you. It's hard to even organize them. Here's my thing: <laughs> story of my life. <laughs> the way we've seen Austin treat women historically, like women that he's been romantically involved with, is like simply not great. So everything I'm saying, I'm saying, of course, with the acknowledgement of like, but also, I don't really trust him when it comes to how he's going to handle something. All of that being said, like, I can, I, I get how this could happen. And like, let's say hypothetically, they really are end game. I can't fault either one of them for it. I I can't. They've maintained this like deep emotional connection and this friendship through all of it. And I know it's like, maybe not the most right, but I don't think in 10 years, anyone's caring that Shep and Taylor used to date. Here's my internal battle right now when I think about Austin is, yeah, I know how bad he has been to other people, douchebag, whatever. But then I also think about all of the times I've seen him with Taylor. And those have only been pretty incredible. And like his softest, most caring, loving self. And just such a good listener and a friend. And I I don't know, like I almost feel like it brings out the best in him. And I've just felt so happy watching their connection and relationship, even when it wasn't romantic. By the way, that's what led us last season to be like, wait, is this like the only girl Austin has ever fully respected and had such a like clear, loving, lovely communication with? Like, I I don't know. Like, should we tell them? Like, you know, like, does anyone see this? I know, but that's what I was saying to you last week. And this is like, when this happens with a guy, it's not, it's not a good, it's not like a warm thing. It's deeply concerning when they only are able to be like respectful towards someone that they're not romantic with. That's like a huge issue. And I'm not saying that that would be the case with him and Taylor, but that is a pattern that we have seen. So I would hope that with Taylor, maybe there, maybe that she's the one that made him mature and realize, and, and he can mix the two. He can both be respectful of the this woman that he's being romantic with. I'm just saying we haven't fully really seen that from him in the past. No, yeah, it's surely a test, but there's a couple of bumps we have to get over until he like can prove himself and hopefully prove us wrong in that capacity. What about, by the way, fucking JT out of left field, you know, saying to Shep, yeah, I mean, if I were you, like you got, here's Shep, right? He's sitting at a table with three guys. 
One of them, his ex-girlfriend just unleashed on last week, full tyrant, you know, basically accuses his girlfriend of cheating on him. The other one is her best friend who is most likely actively sleeping with her. And you're finding out in the middle of this drinks that he, she did in fact sleep at his house. And then you have the third guy who's not only making you actively feel like a piece of shit for breaking up with her, but also kind of confessing his love for her. By the way, clip that soundbite, send it to Bravo. They can use that as their elevator pitch for anyone who wants to watch the show. Yeah, really. I mean, what are you doing if you're not watching Southern Charm? I just... You ain't living. You ain't living, yeah. Great episode, great episode. And you know what? I love seeing Vanita and Madison back together. I do think they're stronger together. Agree, much stronger together. You know what? Southern Charm is our one show where we really break our rule. We always end up talking about one thing or just talking about like the guys or just, I don't know. We like That is the one. I think Southern Charm and Miami are really the two where we find it very hard to not discuss or spill some of our thoughts as we are watching. It's, it's just nearly impossible. Yeah, I can, yeah. Well, I always every time we do this, I'm like fully forget that we're this particular segment. I always forget that we're recording a podcast because I watch the show. <sighs> I watch the show differently than I watch any of the other shows that are on the air right now. I don't know. I don't. I. It's hard for me to ex- exactly understand why, but it's there's just something different about it. Southern Charm hits different. Doing your hair has the potential to be such a time-consuming process if you're not using products that really work for you and honestly really work with you. And for me, I'd say generally speaking, my hair is pretty easy to manage, but it does get frizzy. I have a lot of split ends, so I'm always looking for things to manage the frizz. And recently I've been into a new product from Way. It's their anti-frizz cream. So it's a really lightweight cream. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours and also heat protection up to 450 degrees. So you're kind of killing two birds with one stone. And the thing I really like about it is that it helps reduce and repair split ends while quenching dry hair with intense hydration. So you can feel like it just feels good on your hair. For me, I get out of the shower. I always spray in the leave-in conditioner. I've told you guys about that before, but I love it. A little anti-frizz cream and you're good to go. I also, I mean, I love a lot of things from Way, but I like their detox shampoo. I don't use that every week, maybe once a week, maybe once every other week, but I feel like it gives my hair a really, really good clean. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code CELEBS for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code CELEBS. This week when Heather kind of reached her breaking point, I really got it. Like I really, I really felt for her. I know not everyone's on board with that, but I'm sorry. I just continually feel like it is so unwarranted, the level of aggression towards her. I think all things considered, she handled it very well. And she went a lot longer and farther than most people would. She was willing for the peace of the group and the sake of the trip to literally just remove herself and like be quiet and just wait for it to be over. And it it obviously didn't end up happening, but I just, I just feel bad because you literally watch it happening and I think, I don't know what it'll be like at the reunion, but it is just so, it's so obvious when you're watching, like exactly how she was feeling was exactly what was happening. But what about the fact that at the table, it comes out that Emily actually misheard what Heather said and Heather wasn't saying anything about Chan and she was saying it about Tamara and still everyone ends up mad at her. It's like, if I, it's, I don't know if, 
I, it's hard watching it from the viewer perspective because you, you, at least I can't, I can't say from the viewer perspective as myself, I feel as though it is so clear the manipulation tactics that many of them specifically Tamara are using yet somehow it is working. Also like Tamara coming in and her literal Craig Conover shit being like, you also called everyone a loser. Did everyone hear that? You said she's a loser, loser, loser. And she's like, what? Like I called Noello a loser once and then we made a joke about it. But Tamara twisting it, they're already on this, you know, march against Heather. Like, of course they're going to join in. Sure, add it onto the pile. Like it was just a literal pile on. And for me, the most upsetting thing of all of it is the Gina and Heather. The Emily and Heather like is sad, but I guess I'm seeing that like Emily just maybe doesn't like Heather. I really thought that the three of them had a very nice connection and relationship and that Heather really did like them. And I thought that that was clear, but I guess not. And uh, fine, Emily, I can give or take with her relationship with Heather, but Gina and Heather like were legit besties. I'm heartbroken about that. And I feel bad that Gina was so insecure in their relationship that she doesn't feel confident to say Heather wouldn't do that or that she could stand up for Heather or that their relationship is strong enough that those things wouldn't be true. She's so quick to believe Tamara and the quote other side. To be honest, you are more sad about the downfall of that relationship than I am. I saw the potential. (laughs) I am sad for you. I just like, (laughs) it's not that I don't think there was a connection there because there was, but I felt that something Gina always expressed on some level was this feeling of inferiority when it came to Heather. And not to say you you can't have a friendship when that exists, but I always was weary of how that would manifest. And I think it, we, we've seen now, and, and if you're, I mean, if, if you, you're Gina, I don't think she would say that that's the reason. She would say it's other things. But I always feel that that was part of the equation here. And that's why I kind of feel like the, the intensity and purity of their bond had a limit because there was always this this thing that Gina felt. Maybe that Heather didn't feel, but I I just, I don't know. I've always kind of had that sense. I just felt like Gina understood Heather and actually was getting to be past all the like money, the fancy, the stereotype, whatever, and really understanding her as a person. And like, she was getting it. She was getting the sense of humor, the lifestyle, the full 360 picture of who Heather is as a person. I thought Gina was really close to being there. And I guess I don't know, maybe everyone else's opinions and the fights that were going on sort of clouded that and regressed, but that's just my own thing. But I don't know. I just felt like really bad for Heather. And it, it like the Tamara of it all makes me sad. Like the whole thing was just fucked up. And then Vicky, Vicky all of a sudden is holier than thou. She can't even be at a table where women are bickering. I'm like, Vicky, come on, pack it up. Like the producers had any choice but to put a full collage of you losing your shit for two decades into this episode. Right, like you're gone for two seasons and all of a sudden you can't stomach it. Like, I, I got news for you. But, right, like we we still know who you are. Right. I mean, you know what I was was wanted to say? Because obviously after the episode we saw when, when Heather posted just about how rough a vacation was for her, Jen commented saying, that was a tough one. You always handle yourself with so much class and grace. I wish I would have been a better friend during our season. I was just being cooked in my own inferno, XOXO, which is true. I mean, that was kind of like every man for themselves when you're both under Tamara's attack. I guess in theory, there's camaraderie there, but in the moment it was just you know an, an individual battle. I did want to say 
Someone that was underrated in this episode, but that I really appreciated on that same tune is Taylor, because I felt like she was a really good friend to Jen in that moment. Like when she was kind of panicking, when she was on the phone with Ryan, having Taylor there was helpful. And I find that Taylor, her humanity is never lost in any of this stuff. And I can appreciate that. I, I think I, I think where I've landed is that I really like Taylor. I totally agree. By the way, she had that same compassion for Heather when they were sitting in the store. You know, she wasn't overstepping or being so fake all of a sudden, like they're best friends and she's agreeing with her and hugging her and going to be by her side. But she was just an ear, like to listen and to be there and not, I guess, come at Heather, which for Heather was probably a breath of fresh air given what she'd been going through for the past couple of days. And Taylor just giving her sort of like, perspective in a calm and peaceful and understanding way. And I think for Heather, like, yeah, it's, you know, not over the top going out of her way, but it was, it was a huge sigh of relief for her. And it was really what she needed in that moment. And I think Taylor could, could sense that. I just, yeah, I think Taylor is additive to the show. I really do. Am I right in thinking that towards the end, when they showed the Trace Amigas, like when they went out to party that night, that Tamara is basically now saying that Emily purposefully told the story wrong to say that it was Shannon talking shit when it was really Tamara to like get them going to make her look bad? Honestly, I I don't know. I You're totally could be right. I, I watched so many shows this week that I don't, I don't entirely remember, <laughs> honestly. Okay, whatever. Regardless, like uh, Tamara just like, that's only shit you would do. Like Emily's not like, okay, I'm going to sit down and come up with the most manipulative plan ever. I'm going to, accidentally, but not so accidentally say that I heard about this, but it's really about this person. And then we're all going to get in trouble and Heather's going to cry. Like, I, I, I mean, I think, you know, girls are bitchy. Girls are calculated. Like they all know what they're doing. Everything is totally like a game of chess. However, to that level, like Tamara, I'm sorry, that's reserved for you. Yeah. But it's always funny when someone shows their cards in that way, you know, like making an accusation that is so outlandish that even the fact that you came up with that goes to show where your head's at. Right, because then it's like, whoa, how did you even get there? Right, exactly, exactly. I don't know, I'm I'm curious for for next week. Also, the fact that Shannon's DUI situation happened post-reunion filming is, I mean, I don't don't think she'll do a sit-down with Andy, but it would be certainly something that would be discussed in like a big way. I honestly think she'll do something with Andy or maybe with Jeff Lewis. I don't know. You're so much more knowledge on Jeff, on the Jeff Lewis of it all than I do. I feel like people wouldn't find that as uh, maybe satisfying because of their friendship, right? Yeah, I guess so. But it would definitely be like fact-based of like, walk me through every detail of the night. What happened? How do you feel? Whatever. Like he wouldn't push back on her necessarily. Actually, he might. I don't really know. But I just think it would be a comfortable environment that maybe she would be more open to sitting down on radio with Jeff, who's her friend, versus like having to get full glam and like sit in the clubhouse or sit down with Andy or I don't know, tack it onto the reunion. I don't know. Right. right. But I don't know. I, I hope they do. I guess I just want to hear her reflecting and also hear how it ties into what's going on in her life because I'm sure at the reunion, she'll talk about her breakup and now whatever's going on with her and John, he's been by her side through this. So there's a lot to catch up on from where we end next week. Yes. Oh, yes, absolutely. I can't believe we're, we're like almost nearing the end of OC. Time flies when you're having fun. Gone too soon. This segment of CBC Hotline is brought to you by Metro by T-Mobile. 
Okay, you guys, longtime listener, first time caller here. I don't necessarily have a question, but I just feel like we're all collectively not talking enough about the Lindsay and Carl breakup and letting it sort of fade. Just wanted to hear your current thoughts. Okay, first of all, I very much agree with that because I feel like we've only really discussed it when there's been something to discuss, whether it's Lindsay's statement or the statement that Carl apparently made to his guest that was, quote, leaked. Like, and I just kind of want to talk about it. Like, can I give you my most honest take if you were to ask me? I, I truly believe Lindsay absolutely fucking hates him in this moment. I think she feels. I mean, I'm sure she's going through a, a phase of emotions like rage and sadness and denial. And I don't know exactly where she's at in her grieving process, but I think she is in disbelief that this whole thing even occurred. I think she's like completely shocked. But when she gets to that anger phase, it is going to be game fucking on because based on her statement alone that she put on Instagram, kind of explaining it and giving people something to put the rumors to rest or to just sort of direct the narrative. Like she's not holding back. And that was probably in her like softest, most vulnerable, broken place. So when she's, you know, come up from the ashes a little bit and is ready to fight and they film a fucking reunion for this season, like it's going to be insane. You know, honestly, like I know we haven't talked about it on the podcast a lot because there haven't been really any updates. It's been sort of quiet, but I've been thinking about it a whole lot. Like I went to her Instagram and I'm just like, what, what is Lindsay doing today? Like, is Danielle there? Uh, what, what's, what does it look like right now? I know because she, and you, in her statement, when she said like, I don't believe that I don't believe that you should end a relationship like this without doing every single thing in your power. Like she made it very, very clear where she was at. But what I have to know is also from his perspective, like what happened? Because I don't believe, and I could be wrong. I could be eating my words. I don't believe the rumors about infidelity and that he had this whole affair with another woman. I don't believe that was the case. I technically could be wrong, but I just don't foresee that being the case. I think he... Honestly, with the whole time, somewhere in the back of his mind felt that maybe this wasn't right, but he kind of maybe thought like, you know, I've always been a bachelor. It's been hard for me to settle down. And so maybe I was always going to have this feeling that it wasn't entirely right. And maybe he was pushing past it. And also there was a piece of him and her that wanted to prove everyone wrong. So he was maybe looking past something that existed. And I need to know what hit for him when he was like, I can't do this. Yeah, what was the straw that broke the camel's back? Like, he knows who Lindsay is so deeply inside and out. Like, what created a turning point? Was she different? Was it a cold feet situation, like the gravity of the situation and really planning the wedding and like physically booking your plane ticket where it's not just like this idea floating around, it's like an actual reality plan on your calendar? Did that freak him out? Did it have to do with the sobriety stuff? Like, I that feels you know, definitely serious enough to make or break a relationship. So that is certainly where my mind immediately goes to, because I don't think it's like a petty fight where Lindsay went out and didn't answer a text. And then all of a sudden they're not going to Mexico to get married anymore. I just don't know what is the point in which we turn the corner in this summer or even pre-summer that led them to this. And, and also how shocked is everyone else? Like, is what went down in the house that this summer that bad where they're like, yeah, we saw this coming or were they shocked too? I mean, that's a whole separate conversation, which my curiosity for that knows no bounds. Because I said that to you at the time, I was like, I know the thing we shouldn't be focused on in this moment is like, 
what a Paige and Amanda think, but what the fuck do Paige and Amanda think? Like that, talk about Kyle. I mean, because here's my thing when it comes to Carl. I, like, like I said, and like you just said, I don't think something happened one night that immediately made him shift. I truly believe somewhere in the back of his mind, he had this level of uncertainty that she didn't have. I think Lindsay was so all in 100,000%. This is her person. Like I said to you last week, I think she knew that it was Carl way before it was ever actually going to be Carl. I think she always felt something that he didn't necessarily feel. And so my, my question is, and I don't know if we'll ever truly get an answer to this, was there any part of him that was staying in it longer than he internally knew it was right because of the aspect of the show, not in the sense of wanting to make good TV, meaning there was a piece of him that wanted to fucking prove everyone wrong more than he wanted to listen to this little voice in his head. And that is when the reality show of it all infuses itself into the equation in like potentially a little bit of a dangerous way. I just have so many questions, but I am comforted in the fact that these are two people who I think if you're literally ranking every person who appears on Bravo, they are like on the top of the list of people who are like willing to share everything and not hold back and really go there. So that is like allowing me to sleep at night knowing that we will get almost all of these answers in some way, shape or form, just not right now. We have to be patient. Yeah, no, it's 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 our only choice and I get that, but <laughs> thank you for giving us the space to talk about this because it is something that I can promise you we think about quite often. Yeah, like honestly, we just should start doing a weekly like Lindsay Carl check-in. Like what what do you think about this week? Thank you to our sponsor, Metro by T-Mobile. At Metro by T-Mobile, there's not a yada yada, which means wireless without the gotcha. I'm honestly ready for the New York women to be back from Anguilla. It was fun. I, I had a good time, but it's it's we can go. Yeah, like the salt water is getting to them, I think. Sometimes <laughs> when you're in a house with a bunch of women, which I guess is like the premise of all these shows, but I don't know. I just like feel it. Like I feel like they're itching to maybe get out of there. It's like a lot of time together with women that you've barely spent that much time with, you know, one-on-one in your own city, let alone living in a house away on a trip. It's like, it's very intimate. And I feel that sense of like needing to get back to the city life because maybe it's just like, I'm personalizing it, but I feel it. Yeah. I mean, the two major things that happened here in terms of the argument is Jessel and Cy, not just them with one another, but you know, the difference in their upbringing in that conversation, kind of what that sparked. And then Uba and Aaron, but I, okay, so I didn't look online at all to see what people were saying. I don't know where the public opinion landed on this argument. But for me, the thing with Jessel and Cy was like, I felt like it was a little bit of a hard watch in that I'm definitely not going to be the one to sit here and say which one of you had it rougher growing up. I just feel like it's, one, it's not my place. And second of all, everyone is entitled to their own individual struggles. Yes, when they are explaining what they've went through, it, it does feel as though... Sai had some very difficult circumstances that were unique to her among the group. But this idea of like shaming someone for the way that they view their own story or they interpret their story or they choose to share their story felt confusing and uncomfortable for me. I I don't know. I just, I didn't love it. I agree. It was super uncomfortable just given like the topic and a lot of the assumptions made. And I don't know, some of the 
the accusations they were throwing around, like you said, about people's own perspectives on their lives and if they were keeping secrets or how they stack up to one another. And that's just like literally not what it's about at all. It also was just such a far leap from what we've been saying, this like petty, lighthearted drama with the cheese plate and the catch reservation. Like now all of a sudden it got so deep, but they were still almost fighting as though it was like the service level caddy stuff, but it was like probably the deepest, most personal thing that you can be arguing about. It just felt like unfair to evaluate the other person's level of either vulnerability or their own struggle. I don't know. They weren't handling it with the care that it deserved. Like it was like they were just throwing it all around. I was like, you guys are like throwing this heavy, very layered, deep personal situations around like it's the cheese platter. Yeah. I I think honestly, though, my reaction was more so towards Aaron of like, this has literally nothing to do with you. And I and I really like Aaron, but like, why are you screaming at Jessel saying you didn't have it as bad as Sai? Like, first of all, Sai can more than stand up for herself. And second of all, I just think it's a strange thing to insert yourself in. It was strange also because again, I have this like layer of feeling like they also don't even really know each other that well. So to stand your ground so strong on something that I don't feel you know, even on top of it just being completely inappropriate, it all just felt like very bizarre. Yeah. I don't, I really don't know how other people felt about this. I did not look at all online. So this may not, may not be the popular opinion, but I just felt uncomfortable by that. In terms of the Uba Aaron situation, this to me was prime example of what you were saying earlier of like being in a house with this many women after a certain amount of days, you got to get out of there. This, this really showcased that. Oh, they're just completely sick of each other. And I think it's also just a testament to how they, don't know each other's boundaries or limits yet. You know, like it's all fun and games to push each other in the pool and joke, but you don't know when people snap or how people are, especially on vacation. Like you go on vacation with your best friends and you just know the boundaries and the limits, but that takes time. And like, you have to be super close friends to even get to that point. So it's just like, this is literally just a social experiment of figuring each other out while you're all in a house together on a trip on the beach. Yeah. Uba posted on Instagram. Her caption was, this trip, we had a blast in Anguilla. It was an amazing time with the girls, but that last day turned into some roller coaster. It's tough trying to capture everything that happened over 24 hours in one or two episodes. And they don't. So we're left explaining ourselves. Oh, that phone prank? Just the tip of the iceberg, or should I say the seed? Plenty more happened that drove me to be even more upset and that never made it into the episodes. Get ready for the reunion when we're spilling all the beans and set the record straight. You could tell that like it wasn't just the phone thing. Because by the way, it wasn't like Aaron went into Uba's room and took her phone. Uba left her phone in the car and Aaron took it for a little bit of time. You could tell that there was some something else like brewing there. I mean, I, I have to imagine, I can't imagine that reaction was just because of the phone. While, while annoying. Like the thing is, and this is like, not just on Housewives, just in general, not everyone's down for a prank. Right, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, some people find it humorous and they engage in it and it's fun and like other people, it's just not their vibe. And if it's not your vibe, you're never going to be into it. I get that. Like a prank is not my thing. I 100% agree. But like, how do you know that? Because to you, if it's just like playful, silly, all in good fun, of course, you're going to give the phone back. But to them, it's like, everyone's talking about you. You made it this weird thing. You took the phone and got personal. Like you just don't know how people will take things unless you know how they'll take it. Like it's simple as that. I just, I agree. I'm curious to see what got Uba to this point because you could tell she's already annoyed with Erin. Like when she finds out that she was the one that had the phone, it, it was not about the pool pushing. Like there's some 
middle ground gap that we don't know. But the, her caption alone got me so excited to hear about this at the reunion because like, if I, if she didn't write that, like, yeah, obviously I'd want to hear both sides of their story and like hash this out again. But now I'm like, all right, give me like, you know, the tea, like what, what went into this? What was going on? And does Aaron know what Uba was thinking and vice versa? Yeah. Also, I'm obsessed with the Jenna and Bryn flirting storyline. No, I'm obsessed with Bryn. Sorry. Like if anyone doesn't think she's a good housewife and an amazing casting fucking Sonia Morgan genius move, like you're so wrong. And Jenna, I can't even like she's so the two of them, when they have the fun flirtiness, especially the levity from the other situations, it's like, I, give me an hour of that. I'm so, I'm so into it. I love it. I just, I just, it's a fun TV. It's, it's perfect. I'm not overwhelmingly dying for New York, but I'm on board. I'm very much on board. It's just like, comparatively speaking to Southern Charm, to Salt Lake City, Toasty, I'm not there, but I'm not dreading it. I, I, yeah, I'm, it's really enjoyable. I'm curious to see how we'll feel like when we get back from the trip, like, all right, I'm done with the trip, you know, put them back in New York. Put me back in New York and let's see what happens. That's how I feel about my life every day. Put me back in New York. Okay, guys. Well, we love you. Thank you for listening and for letting us do this. I'll say this again next week, but I just want to give you a heads up. We are off all three episodes the week of October 2nd. So not this coming week, but the week after that. I'll remind you again next week, but just want to give the heads up and we love you. Thank you. Thank you.